Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 210. There it is, my lord, but this is unbelievable. And he points to the maker's mark on a strip of browning paper inside the violin. But still, he says, even without it, he would have known it by the color of the varnish, by the scroll, by the shape. Now Barrington reaches inside his pocket and produces an engraved business card proclaiming him to be a preeminent dealer in rare and antique musical instruments. So this violin is rare? asked mine host. Indeed it is, said Barrington, still admiring it with awe, and worth in excess of a hundred thousand dollars unless I miss my guess. Even as a dealer in such things, I would pay fifty, no, seventy-five thousand dollars good cash money for such an exquisite piece. I have a man on the west coast who would buy it tomorrow sight unseen, with one telegram, and I pay whatever I asked for it. And then he consults his watch and his face falls. My train, he says. I have scarcely enough time to catch my train. Good sir, when the owner of this inestimable instrument should return, please give him my card, for alas, I must be away. And with that, Barrington leaves, a man who knows what that time and the train wait for no man. Mine host examines the violin, curiosity mingling with cupidity in his veins, and a plan begins to bubble up through his mind. But the minutes go by and Abraham does not return, and now it is late, and though the door and through the door, shabby but proud comes our Abraham, our fiddle player, and he holds in his hands a wallet, a wallet that has seen better days, a wallet that has never contained more than a hundred dollars on its best day, and from it he takes the money to pay for his meal or his stay, and he asks for the return of his violin. Mine host puts the fiddle in its case on the counter, and Abraham takes it like a mother cradling her child. Tell me, says the host, with the engraved card of a man who will pay fifty thousand dollars good cash money burning in his inside breast pocket, how much is a violin like this worth? For my niece has a yearning on her to play the fiddle, and it's her birthday coming up in a week or so. Sell this fiddle, says Abraham? I could never sell her. I've had her for twenty years. I have fiddled all over the country with her. And to tell the truth, she cost me all of five hundred dollars back when I bought her. Mine host keeps the smile from his face. Five hundred dollars? What if I were to offer you a thousand dollars for it here and now? And that's our page. There's not going to be a whole lot on this page to discuss, at least not on first glance, but I guess we'll see how things go on as I gas on. The first thing I noted about the page is there's a lot of dated just bits of information and things on this page, not even dated for 2019, but dated even in 2000. Barrington would be able to sell the violin to a man across the country with one telegram. And I know we already discussed telegrams before, and if I remember well enough, Western Union was still blasting those puppies out as late as 2006, but even in 2000, that's certainly not the fastest way to reach someone across the country. Second, Barrington has to rush away on the pretense that he he needs to catch a train. This isn't entirely out of time, because some cities do have good transit systems where one could feasibly catch a train without much second thought, but overall, I just can't imagine this line not standing out to the mark of the story if it were said aloud today. And I think these details are twofold as well. Firstly, I think they're reinforcing this idea that Shadow reflected on after his first meeting with media. He would rather be on the side of roadside attractions instead of shopping malls. In this story, Wednesday is presenting what is supposedly a timeless grift with language coded very much to an era 50 or 60 years previous. I think he's doing this intentionally because he knows people, and he knows Shadow, and he knows what kind of person Shadow is. It's subtle, but I have to imagine that Shadow loves it even if he doesn't fully recognize it. Secondly, while it plays into Shadow's particular affections, I think there's also a play on the reader's expectations for Wednesday. Wednesday and his old gods are getting gray at the temples. Oh, that's a good pun. And they deal in the old-fashioned quite a bit. 
as readers, I think we're meant to look at this and think about how woefully unprepared for the coming war Wednesday is. Sure, he's got Shiva on his side and Chernabog, but most of the rest of the gods siding with Wednesday we've seen are, well, they're not fighters. They would be ineffectual at best. Wednesday talks like an old-timey, down-home politician that you might see in a Jimmy Stewart movie, but maybe more of a dishonest politician. Were there dishonest politicians in Jimmy Stewart movies? There must have been. Hmm. But I think what Neil is doing here is purposefully throwing us off the trail. It's, of course, what a good writer does. And in this case, the writer is standing in for the con artists as well, holding our attention on the hand with Wednesday's creepy appetites and platitudes, all the while the other hand holds the truth. But the truth is not something we're here to discuss today. Just recognize that this is one of those themes we talked about before, and not so much in recent pages, that there's there's definitely a big theme of cons and grifts and things, and we just want to keep an eye on not just the direct mentions to cons and grifts, but also how the story itself is part of that same that same idea. Get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com and on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for the use of his version of St. James Infirmary Blues as the show's theme. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page. And remember, only the gods are real.